He's the man in the back of the room. Y con la voz de Dios. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, CEOs where to go, and stars when to shine. But as he likes to point out, Who cares? I care. It's true, she cares. And so does he. He's entertainment and production agency owner and meeting and event master, Anthony Bellotta. She's his Agent 99, and you're about to be Bellottified. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bolotified, the one and only pod about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bolotta. I'm here every week, as I am, with the delicious, optimistic Alexia Cristina Postelidis. Opa, Alex. Calimera, Pulaikimu. Oh, I love the way you talk to me. <laughs> so sweet. Yes. Well, it's because Pul- you're sweet. I think I just like the word Pulaikimu. Is, did okay. I say that right? No, you didn't, and you don't want to say it like that. Okay, that means something bad. <laughs> I think like I might it. just then I might just exclaim "Pulakamu" when I'm upset. The is "mu" that... part is okay. The other is close to um, a word we probably shouldn't discuss. Oh, but... those Greeks! Yes, yes. Oh yes. goodness, goodness, goodness. Uh... Uh, thank you for the giggle. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, new year, new giggle. That's what we're all about. Yes. Got to keep giggling. Okay, before we get started, if you're a new listener, please take this time to like and subscribe. Go ahead. We'll give you a sec. Why, thank you. If you're not giggling, you're doing something wrong because, you know, life is just funny. That's all I got to say. You know, it is. And I was reminded of that yesterday as I stomped through the house, kind of in a bad mood. And then this morning I woke woke up kind of giggling about what I was upset about. And now I just think it's funny. <laughs> I would kind of like to see you stomping around the house, not being in the house with you when you're stomping around it, but just watching like a fly on the wall. You don't, you don't want to be near me when I, when I'm getting to that point, because I usually am nice and kind. You are. That's why I'm I'm infinitely curious about. That's what I say. I'm nice till I'm not. The other face of Alex. Yes. Yes. There are two faces of Alex. There's a movie in there, I think. Maybe, maybe yeah. it's been done already. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just <shot>. maybe. <laughs> well, I I honestly cannot say why, but today's tipsy. Let's get tipsy. Focuses on breakout sessions, not necessarily because. This is a great time of the year to talk about breakout sessions, but you know, we are in a new year, so why not? So today's tipsy breakout sessions. If you produce a meeting or conference, you might feel the rut we've dug ourselves into when it comes to our breakout sessions. If you haven't noticed, they've become predictable, unengaging, and almost wholly save technically driven conferences ignored. 
As access to digital information proliferates, isn't it smart to assume that the tried and true formats, either a solo presentation driven by cumbersome slides or the unrehearsed, unprepared, and somewhat disjointed panel discussion are no longer working? Even the data suggests that of the seven learning paradigms, lecture, reading, audiovisual, demo, discussion, practice, and teaching, lectures have the lowest efficacy rate at under 5%, whereas discussion, practice, and teaching offer the highest levels of learning. Their differentiating ingredient is participation, which leads to higher engagement and better retention. Think about your own experience. When a session is participatory, isn't your level of awareness heightened by either the desire or the fear or both to have your voice heard? When your question is answered in a way that clarifies a misinterpretation or misconception, aren't you more apt to retain that new information and share it with others? And if you know beforehand that a session will be participatory, do you not at least think about how you might prepare? That's because the mere suggestion that participation will ensue automatically raises the level of intrigue, not unlike asking people to dress in a certain theme or style, in that it initiates conversation and deeper, more meaningful connections, with the ultimate impact being better retention. Start simply by requiring yourself, whether you're a lecturer, speaker, trainer, or content lead, the inclusion of a participation mandate that devotes time to open discussion around materials covered. Do more than ask any questions. Instead, throw out practical scenarios and ask questions yourself that necessitate a response of the audience. Make the mandate applicable to all outside speakers and include it in your breakout and main stage RFPs. Then do what my friend Lisa Richards would do and inspect. Make sure it's being followed, inspect. Add volunteer proctors if necessary, inspect. Include a question about participation in learning sessions and track attendee feedback and engagement as well. Because mandating and perpetuating a component of participation within your breakouts and learning sessions will not only elevate engagement, it can change the tone of your meeting and set your conference apart as the place where ideas are discussed, examined, etc. And that is my tipsy for the day. I love it. Do you? It's I sort do. of it's a real it's a real tough one, I think, mm -hmm. because you know, ultimately I think many of these breakout sessions are just losing attendance because the interest is waning and people can get a lot of that information digitally now. So I'm seeing it happen time and time again, and I think we need to do something quickly before the breakout disappears completely. I agree. And, you know, uh, well, first of all, you used one of my favorite words in the English language, so thank you. Efficacy. Oh, I love that word. I just love that word. It just rolls trippingly off the tongue, doesn't it? Because it, it really starts does. with an F. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're you're sassy today. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe well, just you, a teeny bit. <laughs> well, you know, Yaya would have something to say to this. You just brought me back to her kitchen. Oh. Yes. And what she would say would, would be 
tona parakaluthis, then ine te idio metona canis. I love how okay. she talks to me. So pretty. <laughs> she does, because she loves you. It means watching is not the same as doing. Oh my goodness. So true. It really is. So, you know, I'd be in the kitchen watching her and I'd ask the same questions all the time. You know, how do you know how to keep the phyllo dough the perfect level of moistness? How do you know how much flour to add to the kularaikya and all this? And she finally would just, she said that to me and made me get up and do it with her. Because she perfect. said, you're you're never going to know until you touch, until you feel, until you taste, until you smell. So you got to participate in the cooking and the baking to know how to do it. So smart. It's like the passenger in your car who can't get from point A to point B, even though you drive that passenger from point A to point B every single day, because that passenger is not driving the car and not paying attention to where that passenger is going. So, you know, until he gets or she gets behind the wheel, likely they don't know where they're going. It's the same thing. And in the theater, we have a different expression, mm -hmm. right? Uh, we right. say, and I think I've said this before in this podcast, it's important to get it in the body mm -hmm. to make it second nature so that you're yeah. not thinking about everything that you have to do on stage because it's already there. It's in the body. You've walked through it so many times. It's set. No need to, uh, you know, regurgitate it in your mind. It's already there. Get it in the body. Muscle memory is an important thing. It sure is. It sure is. Well, I, I, I'm feeling a bit, um, anxious to get to our guest today because I have known him for years. I have seen him. I have been in the same room with him, but only until recently did we have the opportunity to work together. And only until this podcast did I learn some of the amazing things he has done over the course of his career. So bring him on and let's start this chat. Let's start it. Okay. Our guest today graduated from the University of Michigan with a degree in engineering. He worked as a business consultant for several years when he met the legendary events designer, John Daly. Daly was intrigued by our guest neon poster art, an art form he created taking well-known poster art and adding neon flair, merging the very expensive neon art medium with poster art to create one-of-a-kind, affordable, and beautiful pieces. Excuse so, me. And if yeah. you don't think you've seen this kind of artwork, I guarantee it, you have. You have. You Let's have. I was surprised. It was really cool. So Daly asked our guest to design a battery-powered centerpiece to illuminate his floral table arrangements. What he designed was incredible. And some months later, battery-powered neon made its debut at the special event conference and a career was born. Today, our guest's LED and spandex creations, now part of an even larger collection of decorative event rentals, brighten up the world events for top name celebrities and clients. Please welcome the owner of Absolutely Fabulous Events and Productions Incorporated, Mr. Bernie Gaps. Hi, how are you? Just fabulous. Excited to be here. Oh, Yay. so excited to have you. So, so excited to have you. I, I, my chin hit the floor as I was reading some of the emails that you sent us over the last few days, because 
I really had no idea. And I think that's because for as long as you've been around, you're you're a quiet guy. You're not the guy who screams out, I did this, I did this, this is me, this is me. You sort of stand in the background and watch it happen quietly. And wow, I'm just so surprised by all that you have brought us, Mr. Gaps. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been a fun journey. And I think probably the reason that is, is a lot of times my work is more B2B. It's more through other people bring me in on projects as you just did. And I want to make you guys shine because you've got more clients and then you'll bring me in on more products, projects. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just sometimes you build, help build other people's brands and sometimes you build your own and sometimes it's a mix. So I think I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a moderate in most everything I do. So sometimes I shout and say, Hey, look at me, look what I did. And sometimes I'm a little bit more quiet about it because I want to be quiet. I want to, I want to show up with a white label truck so that, you know, nobody knows who I am. Which you did so, for us uh, several months ago. Yeah, that was fun, fun project. It, it was fun. So before we get into the real crux of all that you've done and do, uh, do you mind playing a little 10 quick questions with us? Oh, sure. 10 quick questions. 10 quick questions? Yay! Oh, Again, says. I mentioned this is my first podcast, so uh, be gentle. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, the purpose of this is to have a little fun and to get to know you a little bit better than we already do. It's just a simple 10 quick questions. Alex keeps the clock, two minutes on the clock. First answer that comes to mind. Uh, we're not looking for Einstein here. Just the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready to go, Mr. Bernard? I'm ready. Let's, let's do this. All right. Number one, do you believe in miracles? Um, sure. Yes. It, Why the hell not? In, in many ways, but I think people make miracles happen sometimes. Good for you. What do you? What do people say when you tell them that you have giant inflatable orbs? Uh, surprisingly, they recognize that I have the shiniest, biggest balls in Southern California. Beautiful answer. So. <laughs> I think the second best answer would have been, "Can I see them?" <laughs> Number three, what is your most popular spandex color or color scheme? Wow. Um, you know, black has been historically the best just because it sets the table for everything else. It sets the table for a centerpiece to shine. Secondary would be all the neon colors because we do a ton of 80s stuff and people love all, the, all that pop of color. So the pinks and the lime greens and uh, all that. the... Neon Beautiful. orange, neon yellow, turquoise. Turquoise. You know, we get that lot. That whole mixed with a little black and white check. That whole '80s vibe never goes really out of style, does it? It no. always comes back at some point. All right, number four, peach fuzz. Peach fuzz is Pantone's 2024 color of the year. What comes to mind when I say peach fuzz? <laughs> oh, I, I thought it was kind of boring to be honest with you. I, I mean. I wasn't sure what else. We just got done with Viva Magenta, which was strong and bright. And I, I don't know why they went with that color, but um, I, it seemed pretty milk toast to me. Yeah, yeah, I can't say that I disagree. It's very plain. 
Uh, How does it right. even qualify as a color? Okay, I'm sorry. I'll stop. No, no, no. It, well, maybe it isn't. But we'll just have to go with it. Just don't paint your house that color. How about that? Ugh. Number five. You're entering onto stage to accept your award. What song is being played? Uh, Prince, Baby, I'm a Star. You are, baby. So, yeah. we'll, that we'll would be one of the going. moments to shine as opposed to being in the back. It's like, okay. We're going to write that down for when you do win your award. Uh, another award, I should say. Um, number six, what do you enjoy most about what you do? I love to create and invent and bring new things to the world that either other people have thought about, but then they don't know how to manifest. Not, oh, I hate that word manifest. Uh, they don't know how to actually make it happen. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's my product plus that's my strength. Yes. Uh, okay. Seven, what really sucks the life out of your orbs? <laughs> um, clients that are unrealistic in their expectations especially post-covid um you know it, it was bad before it, it's still worse because uh. at the upper level in most cases there hasn't been a, there, i feel like there hasn't been a change in their life and it, it's affected everybody all the way down the tier to employees and vendors and 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 the expectation that they could still get something immediately um, is is kind of frust frustrating mostly I would say. Mm. Yeah, it seems a little out of touch. Huh? Yeah. Okay. All right. What's harder, putting the spandex on the chairs or taking them off? Um, it, neither one of them is hard because I mostly have my staff do that. We <laughs> we, divide, we divide we divide I divide tasks by height. So I do all the pipe and drape. And they do all the stuff that's lower to their ground because oh, of my size. That's brilliant. So, uh, you know, you'll see me do taller things and they'll do, but um, it comes off quicker, easier, like everything. <laughs> you know, I <laughs> like everything. Uh, and I should say that putting your spandex uh, chair covers on is really not that hard. You've assembled them in a way that does make it easier to get them on, including those pads that go under the chair legs. Uh, so, you know, we just found that when we pulled them off, it was just as laborious as it was putting them on. It, for us, it was no easier, but we're not trained masters at it, we should say. Uh, number nine, have you ever been on Michael Sabelli's hot list? I have not. I don't understand that. Let's just say. And number 10, poor Alex. Poor, poor, poor Alex. Yes, this Alex. Yeah, sad, poor Alex. She is the tune on your giant keyboard. Everyone seems to think they can play. What tune is she? Um, what tune is she? Uh, the Entertainer? She's the entertainer. Okay, nobody can play that on that key. I'm sure nobody can play that on the giant keyboard. Except, of course, Alex. Well, thank you for playing. Thank you for playing and uh, parting gifts on the way out. Okay, your supply of- Giant orbs. Uh, 
There you go. Your supply of giant orbs, right? (laughs) Orb cleaners, orb drainers. Uh, All right. You have such a long career. 1988, April 1st was the day that your neon rings debuted at a John Daly party. April 1st, 1988. Just let that sink in your minds, everyone, because there were no neon centerpieces in 1988. There were no battery-operated centerpieces in 1988. Uh, And then Bernie arrived onto the scene. What were you doing before then, after you got your your engineering degree and before you actually landed in the industry? I was doing consulting for a company. I started, I moved out uh, to California, worked for Kaiser Permanente, then uh, became a business consultant for other businesses and really had a great time doing that because just go and break down what people do for a living and how to help them. Even from a marketing standpoint, computers were just coming in at the time. I was working at a church. I took that to my local church where I was a congregant and had a great time. That's where I met John. But I had, in the meantime, I had built the neon poster. So I had this neon stuff going on, um, but didn't, it wasn't battery at the time. And then I, I met John and um, like I said, at, at a, he was decorating for Christmas. I had no idea what an event industry was or event designer was. And, and we just had a, a conversation the the funny thing about the event they did was for John. It was for Sherry Pizzitz out of Dallas. Oh yes, was short group. Um, it was at the Four Seasons in Newport Beach, and it was in a tent outside. And the police came because of the ten o'clock noise ordinance, and told them to turn the music down. So they did for five minutes, and then the police left. And they came back fifteen minutes later and said, "Turn it down." And the next time we come back, we're turning it off. So they turned it down. 20 minutes later, they turned it back up. The police showed up and went in the back and turned off the generator. The entire sound, everything went pitch black, dark, no sound, except my battery-powered neon rings in the room <laughs> kept the whole tent alive. Wow. We had to, we moved some of them into the kitchen because at that point, the party was over, but they nobody could see anything in the kitchen. It was pitch black. There were no emergency lights. So we used neon, those neon centerpieces on the first day in the kitchen so people could strike out, lighting out the trucks, lighting the pathway. It was actually pretty, it was pretty funny how it worked out that we had all those like 30 neon rings in white ready to go. I'm sure that was funny for you, given that it was your first event. <laughs> they don't all go like that. No, no. And they haven't. (laughs) A lot of them. A lot of them have. So uh, a lot a lot of good times. And so. Well, you certainly did find the right person to connect with uh, at that Mm -hmm. L.A. County uh, Catholic Diocese, John Daly, uh, master, master in our industry, uh, long revered and respected. So you sort of hooked up with the right people. Did you know that at the time? Probably not. No, no idea. It was my new introduction, and uh, and so um, it was. It was a. It couldn't have gotten a better better intro to to an industry, and and from there, everybody else I've met through that, and uh, so that was that was a good great starting point, and I'm, so I'm you, joyful. I I actually was under the impression that you started with spandex but i've been schooled 
you actually started with neon, but but when did spandex become a part of your product line? So I went from building neon centerpieces to lighted tables. So I started with lighted tables and people were wanting to do the futuristic. So there was this, a, a spandex chair cover was out and, but the design of it, I would say was flawed. It was a simple design and you had to pull a chair, you had to use a chair band to pull the back into the seat. It basically went from the top of the chair to the front of the seat on a sharp angle. I and see. So they used chair bands to bring that in. Yes. Our design for the chair cover was a 90 degree angle. It went down the back and across the seat um, and um, ended up in a lawsuit because those original chair covers were patented, but we didn't infringe. And uh, $350,000 later, <gasps> we... Um, successfully prevailed and um but in the meantime we built spandex table linens or worked with somebody else and started doing the spandex table linens so it became both uh linens and chair covers and kind of with the lighted tables which is a semi-futuristic look the the clean lines of the spandex the way it fit the tables and formed to the table um kind of went along with the the neon centerpieces and or the lighted tabletops. So it was a. I I now remember that. I do <laughs> now remember that those sent those those spandex uh, chair covers would form that angle, and you had to use a band or something to to push it back against the back of the chair so that it was more comfortable sitting in. I I had forgotten that. So that is the major difference between your spandex and what was around before you came onto the scene. Correct. Ah, so now we don't need those bands. You can use them, but you don't need them. And I and charge when people wanted it, when people wanted it for a contrasting color. Right. I would charge them a dollar. If they insisted on having a black chair band on a black chair cover, which served no purpose, I charged them two dollars because I figured if they were stupid enough to do the black chair band on a black chair cover, they were stupid enough to pay me two bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, and and uh, I, I think I said that in my outer voice, but I've even said that to clients as well. And sometimes they still insisted on it because they just they wouldn't learn. They wouldn't adapt to something new. They wouldn't adapt to change. They wanted what they'd seen in spite of pictures or whatever else like that. So mm -hmm. um, I don't always call my customers stupid, but I've been accused of it before sometimes. Well, at the risk of sounding disrespectful, some of us are stupid customers. <laughs> and I have been a stupid customer a time or two myself. So... Uh, it just goes with the territory, I think. And, and me as well. And me as well. I'm just have been more honest usually about it. And that's not usually my first. My first response is to call is not to call somebody stupid. But the fifth time you insist, either you're ignorant or stupid, you can choose. I'll let you self-define. Right. Self-define. It's it's, yeah. it's much safer that way, Bernie. Right. Much safer. Um, oh, my gosh. And and you have had no uh, uh, lack of celebrity clients 
either in your career, uh, many of which you sign NDAs with, so you're not at liberty to tell us who, except for one. Uh, and what a challenge that you overcame when you worked with Paris Hilton uh, on what I believe was a birthday party for her. Her, her wedding. She had a three-day wedding. wedding. And, and I actually didn't deal, I didn't work directly with her. It was through a planner, but they just said, just work with them directly. They had so much going on. Um last minute anyhow and um they, they just felt it'd be easier for me just to deal with them and they were a liaison in between it so it wasn't um i i didn't meet paris or or uh really do a lot of interactions with her but it was for the second night she had a three-day wedding the first night was the beautiful all of it was the weekend was great but the the middle night was just uh they bought out the santa monica pier and had a neon carnival and so we did the furniture and lighting and, and stuff like that. So still working with the planner and um, lots of other team people, but we kind of handled the bulk of that. And what um, you did so beautifully is you, you provided color and dynamic that actually accentuated the pier, which is mm -hmm. not easy to do because there's already so much going on on that pier. There's already so much color and excitement and verve. So, you know, what, how did you, how did you approach that challenge? I think that was, that was a challenge because that, that the Santa Monica Pier has got neon and flashing lights and rides and carnival games and, and so many elements like that, that you had to really bring that, bring our stuff up to scale to that just to kind of make it be her own event and um so we just use you know bright colors we use our furniture we make i make my own covers for it so we were able to do neon pink and lime greens and her colors of pink and <clears throat> we did bar fronts that had all of her famous sayings you know that's hot and um it's a sliving and and all those things that were partially also branded around the around the event so um but it really did you had to have i think traditional furniture would have been sort of blah in in that space yes uh we did pop-up canopies that were lit and had neon accents and led accents and and so i think you had to really had to and that's why i think i was the right choice you know that planner used us and and um knew knew our inventory and thought okay this is the right person to to complete the look and make it uh special beyond just being the peer it was you know the paris hilton wedding uh and her husband um yeah she's so, he's there too he, he was there too so uh, arm candy uh, when when was that that event do you remember the year I think it's November 21. So sort of coming out of pandemic and they uh -huh. weren't sure how many people were going to show up. And a lot of people did. I mean, the, the Santa Monica Pier has a tons of challenges. It's public space. The trucks have to, so you had to load in at five in the morning, had to have the trucks off the space, but then you couldn't put stuff in place because the pier was open to the public until mm -hmm. five. So um, it was logistical challenges and, um, you know, they, they didn't, I didn't know until we got there that we couldn't bring our 26 foot truck onto the pier because of the weight limit, oh. but we could bring our 16. So we had to unload the 16 and go down to the parking lot and transfer loads from truck to truck. All, all, all stuff that you find out 
<laughs> the day of event. Day of. Right. Right. You know, and we're not so, exactly uh, dealing with small pieces here. You know, no. these are not one person. We're going to bring these on the pier kind of pieces. You know, many of them take two, sometimes three people just to get it. Yeah off the truck yeah. and onto the pier. So, and and may I just say that having worked with you now, uh, Bernie is not the guy who stands in the corner and points his finger where things no. need to go. Bernie is on site working, sweating his kishkas off, as we'd like to say, working with the rest of us, making it happen, uh, which, which is really delightful to see because both of us have been around for a very, very long time. And we're both at the point in our careers where we, I'm sure, like to stand in the corner and just point our finger and say, put it there, put it there. But you didn't. Uh, you, when we worked with you, you were so on it. And I just want to make that clear to everyone because, you know, when you're buying Bernie, you're buying his, not only his expertise, but his manpower, <laughs> And he makes things happen. And uh, it, for me, because uh, I'm that guy, too, I, I was probably most impressed by that, that you were just there in the trenches with us, pulling all the pieces together uh, until the and and through the night. And then yeah. when when it was over, you were there ready to pull it all down. That yeah. takes commitment and dedication. And I would just like to applaud you for that. In public because again we're not all made out of the same cloth and i have a great staff i mean the guys who work with me you know they're conscientious and and um you know they they give it their all as well but i think they also see it from me so it's hard for me to tell when i ask them to do something and say hey let's go do this it's kind of let's let us go do that and i've got half of the end of the air hockey table and they got the other half or, or I've got one end and two of them have the other half is usually how it works out. I'm just, in spite of my age, I'm still uh, taller and bigger and heavier. And when they can't push something, I get my big old butt in there and just, you know, move it. So make it uh, happen. all right. those, all those big Macs along the way have uh, helped. paid off, big payoff. See, but, I, but I'd rather use my smarts and I, you know, that's the one thing it's harder to teach is mechanical, the physics, the engineering mm -hmm. of stuff, how to do mechanical advantages, how to use levers, how to use lifts and pulleys and how to use hand trucks. When before younger, I would just pick up the whole thing by myself and they still want to do that. And I'm like, no, use the, use the hand truck, give yourself a break in 30 years you'll appreciate that right. <laughs> but i will i i expect to uh i i'm hoping that i do an event one day and die in the middle of the night when i when i finally go you know i think i'm going to be doing this till i'm till i'm dead and gone so till you're ready and to i go. and i still enjoy it and i i enjoy the i enjoy the creativity and the as much as sometimes the actual work and seeing it happen uh, I've had lots of things I've built and people like, wow, it's amazing. Are you glad to see it? And it's like, yeah, I saw it six months ago when I bought all the pieces and I've assembled it. So it's great to see it actually, again, manifested in the real world. But that's, but because I saw it in my brain, I knew how to build it. And so that is sort of my product plus 
I grew up in a carpenter family. I worked in a tool and die shop. Mm -hmm. I have an informal engineering degree, but that is that's more business engineering than it was. But I know strength of metals and tensile strengths. I know some of those other things. One of my favorite guys in the business is Ray Ray Thompson mm -hmm. from Images by Lighting, a great lighting yes. guy. But he's he's another engineering guy that I know, and it's like I you know I love working with. We just worked on something and and um. You know he's uh, he's he's a smart guy, and I and I I like how he breaks things down, and it's easy to easy to talk to him, uh, easier to talk to him because we're talking engineering and physics when we're talking about stuff, as as well as turning it into design and fabulous looks. Sure. So sure. Well, without the engineering and the physics, it doesn't become the looks that we get to enjoy, does it? And sometimes not. Yeah. Thankfully for. Thankfully, we have people like you who can hear uh, a request like, oh, it'd be great if I didn't have to have cords on the floor taped down for all these tables. Can you do something about that? And wham, bam, man, you do it. You make it happen. Mm -hmm. um, that's just marvelous. You know, yeah. Until it's, 20 it's, years later when LEDs come out and then everybody has it. And, and now you've got to now you've got to create something else to differentiate right. yourself and innovate. And I'd say that's probably more what I feel is that I'm an innovator more than anything. And sometimes it's, and but recently it's been more finding other products from other places and bringing those into the fold where I always sort of rejected that. I only wanted to use stuff that I built or invented uh. or created. And finally I was, you know, I was seeing other people do stuff um, that I knew I could have done, but I didn't build it myself and so i was behind until i started to embrace other people's work and other people's talents and go oh, okay well yeah let I'll, now i can incorporate that so like the orbs that we talked about yes they've been around for a while but you know just bringing them into the inventory i just brought them in the last quarter and they've been huge for us and it's like it's giant balloon but it's not a balloon it's vile it's uh vinyl and it's thick and it's it keeps its shape and and so we kind of launched those in this fourth quarter of 2023 and it, it, they've been great. And we're adding more going into 2024. It's going to be one of our big design elements and finding more and more ways to do it. Um, so, Just remember, you have to do some of those in peach fuzz. <laughs> yes. I don't think, I don't think, uh, I don't think they've gotten the peach fuzz color yet, but, yet. Um, but maybe we'll do the white ones and light them with a little bit of uh, peach lighting. If there is such a thing. So you just answered a question, and that is that, um, so the orbs are what's on trend now, moving into 24. Is that what I'm hearing? Um, for me, I you know, it, it was interesting because I'd never really seen them until I saw them, and then I said, I'm going to get these. And then I've heard from other people that they've been around for five years. Where have I been? But I oh. haven't seen them in mass, and I, and I hadn't really seen them in any event. And then all of a sudden, since I've done that, I've found that, you know, I wasn't so brilliant that I'm actually, but I hadn't seen him um, in a lot. I hadn't seen him in events. And so um, we're, we're bringing, we're bringing and not, and having stuff in inventory that we can take out. And um, so uh, the, this last week we did an event at a venue and they had static truss in the air, but it was 32 feet tall. And um, I built a, rig, a steel rig with heavy-duty fiberglass poles that were telescopic. They use them for tension wires in the air 
with the fiberglass poles and I built a device where we could raise each mast of the pole up eight feet at a time to get to 32 feet in the air so we could install the orbs from the ground 32 mm. feet in the air onto truss. And I built special brackets that would hang onto the truss. And that was the design looked great. The client loved it. I was more thrilled with the behind the scenes, building the brackets and building, getting the poles and building mm -hmm. this steel base plate was like some of my, you know, my innovation again to how do I solve a problem that, you know, I can't solve any other way. And just thinking through that. And my guys are sometimes like, wow, where'd you come up with that? It's like, you know, I don't know. I just, I dream sleep. I dream all this stuff, you know, it, it never shuts off and that's, also a problem. It's a blessing and a curse at the, at same, the time. same time. Right? Do you wake up and, and jot down your ideas after you've um, had that dream? Yeah. Usually in the morning I'll go, Oh, Hey, and it may not be relevant for anything until six months or a year later. And it's like, Oh, I just thought of this and that'd be a fun, fun idea or, um, but, um, well, yeah. you know, there's there is a certain amount of genius that goes into the application as well. It's not only about the innovation, but it's about how it's used, right? And how you can make it user friendly, which is a lot of the work that you're doing. 32 feet. That's high. Yeah. It's three I, stories, you know. Was it an outdoor event? No, it was in a, it was in a venue in a in a club in Hollywood, but they just um they didn't, they didn't have access. Um, we didn't have access to anything else. That, that's what I was told. And so um, I had to build it, constructed all this stuff. When we got there, their, their scissor lifting house that they had was broken, but they actually had brought in earlier in the week a, mm -hmm. um, a man lift, but it only went, it only went 16 feet. Oh. So I had the ability, because it was there, I tested it. To make sure i could go all 32 and i did it and once i did then i went up in the scissor lift and then i only had to go 16 16 feet, I didn't have to go all 30, right 32 but but we were told that there was no access to any mechanical device so i had to bring my own if i wanted to hang them so you're not afraid of heights uh, i'm not afraid of heights I, I i'm a big guy and so being 20 20 feet in the air on a top of a single beam thing that's moving as I move and kind of shifting. Um, oh, no. I'd have been more secure on a scissor lift. Yeah. But uh, most of us, I was looking for the weight limit on it, but I couldn't find it. But he said, the guy said, oh, you'll be fine. So I'm like, okay. Okay, let's do it. So one of the fascinating stories that you shared with us is about the 1994 Super Bowl halftime show, the reunification yes. tour with Winona and uh, Naomi Judd. And what stuck out to me about that story was the neon rods that you invented for the halftime show and the fact that they needed to be in plastic and not glass because you couldn't have glass on the field. Um, would you share a little bit about that experience and, uh, you know, how you came sure. up with that incredible idea? Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Dina Starr, she was a producer and had done big shows like that. And the the Super Bowl was in the Georgia Dome in Atlanta. And it was the first time that they were going to have theatrical lighting in a stadium. So all the old stadiums, if you turned out the lights, it took 20 minutes to warm them up. 
Mm-hmm. So you could never darken the thing. So all of the old things were all flags and cheerleaders and a, and a full field. This was the first time. So I called her and I said, hey, let me build you something for your show. And she wasn't even sure what the show was. But I said, we could build these neon rods. And I built battery operated rods. But I only needed like four minutes for the song. So I used a square nine volt battery and just taped that to the outside of the acrylic rod that had neon inside and and they had you know volunteers they had high school kids that were uh, like flag twirlers and stuff like that that they rehearsed with wooden sticks for three weeks and then we show up with battery operated neon glass and the first song they did they broke 10 of them wow just in rehearsal because they didn't keep their distance and it didn't really matter when you're doing wooden sticks and so um we had extra we had brought extra and um kind of showed them and made everybody stand up and tell how they broke theirs and it wasn't to embarrass them but it was more to educate everybody else after that we only had one more breakage out of 225 things they did more routines and and it was great so it was a country western theme um uh, winona and um um naomi judd the mother and daughter had separated years before and this big country thing at the halftime show was the first time they had actually gotten back together publicly so they did a couple of songs and, and, and that was fun. I was on the field. I was in the tunnel. I was, you know, everywhere, back house, green, green screen. I mean, the green room with all the celebs and met, you know, quite a few people. And, um, and so uh, it was, it was, um it was a very fun, fun experience, you know, and all the neon rods were, I, I forget what day the game was. The game was, I think maybe January 31st and January 17th, all the neon rods were in my warehouse in glass, getting ready to go the next day into plexiglass tubes. And that January 17th is the day we had the Northridge earthquake and <sighs> everything in LA shook. And I had to run there to see whether all of this neon glass was on the floor. And, and I didn't have one piece of breakage. I got very, very lucky. Wow. Uh, so, oh that, you know, it, it's always something right with the show, but the show must go on. And, and, you know, fortunately, you know, it, they didn't break and we, you know, we finalized them and shipped them up. And um, so that was, um, so again, I always have had good clients and I always try to feed people ideas that they can go to their people. So that's sort of where I don't really want to shout who I am. I'd rather, you know, bring other toys and tools to the, to the table. And I feel like my warehouse is a giant adult tinker toy store mm-hmm. you know i've got pieces that i've reshaped into different things and how and those neon rods which i took after that i had 200 pink neon rods with nothing to do so i ended up building a neon um table centerpiece that leaned three rods like a triangle pyramid and wow. put that in the middle of the table because they were battery powered and and um so i had to do something with them and of course, no, of course, the first client didn't want all pink. So then I had to go buy, build turquoise and yellow and purple sure. instead of, they liked the idea, but they couldn't have the color I already had sure. in stock is sort of hi- historical everywhere you go. They don't want that act that you've done, but they want a different one that they'd like you to do. Of course. With new costumes and different colors. And is that how the incredible flying illuminated tables uh, were born? uh the idea no that was that was the the lighted tables were one thing and then a a client i actually i tried for 10 years to sell it and every time we got close 
the venue would reject the idea of having tables float down over people's heads. Or the corporate lawyers would say, yeah, we can't put all of our executives at the tables with tables in the air floating down the head. So finally, uh, Mary Beth Rossard, who's again, one of my favorite planners and longtime clients and her client, uh, Mika, uh, love flying stuff and moving stuff. And so they said, yes, let's do this. So it was in uh, 99. They wanted an event that their customers, the kind of millennium was there. They wanted a, uh, an event that people would remember forever. And um, in the end, people sat in circles of chairs. They were given, they all were told to wear black. They were given silver quilted vests that they put on like ponchos. They walked in, they did virtual reality. Then they walked into this room and sat in circles of energy and they joined hands and then the tables lit in the ceiling and just floated down into their laps, fully set, water glasses. The salt and pepper shakers were attached to black and white phone cords. So you could pull the salt and somebody say, pass me the salt. You would pull it and it would fly through the air weightlessly until you grabbed it out of midair. And so oh, uh, wow. all, all, it, it was a total, total great. And and we cried. I as the tables are coming down, I'm sitting there crying because it was just like I had pitched it for 10 years yes. and we finally got a client who said yes. Their legal team said yes. Everybody said yes. That was in an airplane hangar at Scottsdale, Arizona airport that had been slated to be torn down a month prior, and they delayed the teardown until after our event. And we struck through the night, and at seven in the morning, the bulldozers were out there while we were still striking. To, to tear down the building. So we basically we literally tore the house down with that last party. And wow. uh, it was very cool. It was very uh, cool. My brain is just like doing whirly gigs right now, trying to think, well, how did you secure everything? And how did nothing tip over? And I just would love to be in person seeing that. The, the you know, we saw the, the video. I would love to be in person seeing that. It, it was pretty, it was pretty special. And, and people, people appreciated it. The guests, you know, uh, when it came down, they were awed. And after the event, you know, to the client, they were like, well, we'll never forget this. And that's exactly what the, that was the goal. Give them something these top customers will never forget. Mm -hmm. And um, it probably is. Uh, I always say, if you've seen something cooler, let me know. Cause I haven't seen it yet. You know, yes, it was, uh, it was pretty and and you've not had an opportunity to do that again, one time. Um, no, I've had requests, and I've had people bastardize the concept at a cheaper price. Right. Where they did well, buffet right. buffet dessert treatments that they, in the end, they just dead. They did a dead hang on it. You know, they didn't float it. They didn't fly it. You know, they just um, took the idea and. Uh, sort of as, as will happen, you know, yes. uh, <laughs> that's, that's, but being first, like they can always chase that, you know, that, that's, that's how I look at it. It's like, it's, I don't believe in the, the flat, you know, imitation is the best form of flattery and all that stuff. Only people who say that are people who can't create and invent and innovate their own stuff say that people who build and create like you do and, and things like that. Um, we don't we don't imitate we we lead by design and example and innovation and and the rest follow and the rest follow well i think that can certainly be said about you mm -hmm. um 
how has LED lighting inspired you? Um, well, it's changed a lot of things. I mean, I have probably a million dollars in neon glass inventory that mostly sits, um, but it doesn't break anymore because even I've, you know, even when I had lighted bars, I invented lighted bars and lighted tables and lighted columns with the tables 30 years ago. Everybody has lighted bars now, but they're all LED. But when I had bars, I had purple neon glass for purple bars. I had blue neon glass and pink neon glass. So I had neon glass to change colors. Now I also have the LEDs. You hit a button, it's pink. You hit the button again, it's red. And you hit the button, it's green. And it's just the technology is amazing and it doesn't break. And so I have, you know, 12, eight foot neon palm trees, but uh, because they're all in different colors. But if, but if I was starting again, I would start with a, with a base with RGB, red, green, blue, uh, LED um, rope. And I would just hit the button and change the color. Right. And so, so it would change my storage, how many square feet I need for a warehouse. Yes. But it didn't exist back in the day. So, right. you know, um, and so the neon that I had, I was the only person in the country shipping neon. I got calls all over, had a warehouse in Chicago for a while, had a warehouse in, Ma uh, in, Ma in uh, Hawaii and in Miami and where I operated from all those different satellites, warehouses, just because the shipping cost was so expensive because you have to pack it in foam and in wooden crates so that it doesn't get, you know, destroyed by the truckers and the forklift guys and, and all that stuff. So, right. um, and again, that's sort of the engineering, how, you know, foot pounds of force is a, is a measurement of how hard a blow to something is. So you had to figure that out. What, how many foot pounds of force did the crate have to withhold with the foam so that this fragile neon glass inside didn't break? We only had one job in Chicago and they actually dropped the full wooden crate off the back of a truck Ooh. and half, half of it broke. The other half didn't. And we couldn't repair that. So we had, you know, that was something, you but there were, replace, right. but there were 300 centerpieces and that was one crate. So we still gave them 290. We had sent extras, but we were about 10 short. And that's, I didn't see the 290 that they ordered. I saw the 10 that they didn't get. And it's yes. one of the few, it's one of the few times in my career that a client didn't get what they ordered. But we had extra. We just have enough extra, and we couldn't really, you know, count on somebody dropping a wooden crate full of neon glass off of a four-foot back of a truck and having it shatter. So um, it was still it's still one of the three catastrophes or whatever number of catastrophes that have happened that I that I didn't deliver what I said I would, and it still bothers me. But not much you can do. I don't I don't lose sleep over it anymore. <laughs> anymore anymore but i think you also make it right uh yeah we we had a little bit of an issue at at our event uh, quite honestly an issue that i'm sure very few people noticed if anyone at all you noticed and you made it right without even me asking for you to make it right you were very forthcoming and you made it right and that was also very very impressive you know, no excuses, no, you know, arguing. It, it, in fact, again, I will say it, I didn't even ask. You brought it up. And that is 
the kind of person, the kind of professional mm -hmm. you want to associate with, because that's the person who takes so much uh, joy and pride in their own work that they're going to take responsibility for it as well. And, you know, Bernie, that for me said everything uh, that that one thing, you know, coming to the plate really meant a lot. Uh, I'm getting the sign already that we're we're mm -hmm. out of time. So uh, there's cool. so much more to talk to you about. I think we need to have you back. Yes, because the, we didn't really even talk about all your products and everything that you have. So will you agree to come back and do a second interview with us so we sure. can get into the sure. into the nitty gritty? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. Yeah. I would love to have you back. We'd love to have you back. Before we let you go, though, we have our Bellotified Five questions that we'd like to throw at you. <gasps> the Bellotified Five. All okay. right. So the first question in our Bellotified Five is, what is your golden rule? Um, honest and honesty and ethics is number one for me. I can't, I can't bend on that in any way, shape, or form. And um, even the event that we just spoke about, you know, just if I recognize it, my guys know. Bring me an issue. We're gonna fix it. We're gonna make it right. And um, but uh, but that's probably it. You know, that, that's that's the core of me, uh, personally in personal life, business is honest and and being ethical sometimes even you can be within the legal law of stuff mm -hmm. the definition of ethics and morality is a higher level and um that's what rules my world well said mm -hmm. thank you, thank you I for that agree a hundred percent uh what is one daily habit you have that you strongly believe contributes to your success waking up <laughs> that's a good day uh, you know i think uh you know i'm i'm not as structured in in my life where I, I i wish i was more exercise eat well i go through phases like everybody um but just being I, I hate the word authentic because it's so overused now but i think i've been authentic for a long time i think i've been honest i've been ethical so that sort of is the authentic me and so I think just staying true to that in all shapes um, is probably the one thing that that guides my life. And it's really it's really what, uh, you know, what would my mother think if she's looking over my shoulder at all times? And mm -hmm. I don't think it, in that exact terms, but, you know, it's do the right thing when nobody's looking. I mean, That's that right. really is a fundamental, mm -hmm. you know. And so whether you or even the clients notice the issue that we're keep talking about. I don't know that anybody else noticed it, but I did. And mm -hmm. so it's like, Hey, I, here, let's just fix it and right away. So, uh, but. Um, and, and you also, by the way, just quickly to uh, just uh, on top of what you're saying here, when I ask people about you, they all have wonderful things to say about Bernie. My friend, Audrey Gordon raves about you, you know, Audrey in Chicago, course, and she's right. just not the only one everyone does. And that's a sign mm -hmm. that, you know, you treat people with integrity and you you're honest and easy to work with and pay them well to say and it. and and pay them well to say, <laughs> well, you know, I don't want to say that, but OK, 
No, I'm kidding. Uh, thank, you. thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, all right. When no one is listening, what are you what are you telling yourself? What are you saying to yourself? Do the right thing. Keep going. Keep 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 innovating is like that. That's what keeps me alive is just building, inventing, creating new stuff and and do the right thing when when nobody is listening and nobody's watching me. Do, am I still accountable to myself? And so. Uh, Beautiful. I, I, I'm feeling that, Alex, we need to uh, connect Bernie with our friends at Cirque Mechanics. Yeah, it feels like there could be a relationship there uh, that would serve both entities very, very well. Uh, we had Chris from Cirque Mechanics on our show, and they're doing a lot of innovating in the space of uh, Cirque and uh, Cirque machinery, Cirque mechanics, uh, platforms that bring performers on stage, uh, platforms that work in water. And I'm I'm envisioning, you know, a partnership where those things now light up. Yep. I don't believe they have that element just yet. Uh, number four, what is one change you'd like to see in the world today? Um, more, mod I think for me, it'd be more moderation. I think the extremes on both political sides and not just policies, politics, but um, I'm more of a middle guy. I, I stray just a little bit both ways. Um politically and in life and everything I do. And so I think the the outsides get all the noise. They make all the noise. They get all the attention. And and there and there's always two sides to every issue and there's extremes mm -hmm. of both issues. And unless you can get to the middle and solve it and everybody gives a little bit, then you're not going to get solutions or peace or whatever else we need. And both sides are right in their own mind and they might even be right in general, but somehow there has to be some movement to the middle and we're losing that. We're all the middle people are, that voice is not being heard. So right. um, that that's what I feel like. I like to ignore the 30% on one side and 30% on the other side and let the 40% in the middle just listen to both sides and help negotiate but i think that that's the change i think we need is uh from my perspective more moderation and compromise and the willingness to get along and make things and work. respect yeah i can't we can't agree with you more <laughs> both of us we talk about this all the time mm -hmm. why can't kumbaya, we just get along right, hold hands and right, right. right kumbaya right exactly what's wrong with that uh and last question what is your why what motivates you? Why? Why do you do what you do? Because um, I have fun. Um, you know, it builds my, it keeps me, my brain stimulated, I think. Um, I could, I, I look at some of my contemporary friends from college that were engineers who, who worked and had solid careers and have nice 401ks and I think I had more fun. I think I brought more joy into people's lives. We, we're at the center of people celebrating mm -hmm. milestones in their life, whether it's birthdays, weddings, mitzvahs, corporate gala, holiday, you know, awards nights. We're at the center of that and helping them celebrate those things. And that really is 
fun. I maybe could have made more money doing something else, but um, I, I, I like I like what we do. I like what we bring to the world. I like that we bring help bring joy to people and celebrate their their moments and celebrate their 120th birthdays. You know, those mm -hmm. things are fun. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and and if you don't mind me saying, it does appear that you had many options. Uh, yes. You know, diverse talent. Uh, you know, you were doing other things before you jumped onto this bandwagon, and and you were successful. You know, you you could have gone any way, and you chose to be in the event world. And I'm glad that it's working out for you as well as it is. I can imagine there are bumps, like there are in in every career, but you are a successful entrepreneur and when we speak with you again we're going to want to hear more about how you managed to transcend some of the the times that we've had and especially recently uh because you, you're still you're still on it still alive and kicking still so alive far. still waking up every morning I was, I, the words were coming out of my mouth that's the number one goal just wake up yes, so, yes. Uh, well, that is not a bad goal to have. No. <laughs> it beats Bernie, the alternative. It's the right. It does beat it. Um, please come back. We will definitely be in touch and get you scheduled again. And again, thank you for sharing with us and being on the program. And have a great year until we speak with you again. May it okay. be productive and and just fabulous for you in every single way. Well, it was my pleasure being here. It was very, uh, thank you for uh, being nice and uh, <laughs> not not grilling me and uh, making it a joyful uh, uh, experience for me. So I'm, I'd be happy to join you again. Thank Yay. you so much. Thank you. Okay. Bernie Gaps, everyone. Absolutely fabulous. And he sure is. Hey, thank you for listening to Bellotified. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe. And remember to leave us your questions or comments at bolotta.com backslash podcast. Bellotified is a production of Bellotta Entertainment. Hey, that's a lot of Bellotta. Stay engaging. Bellotta.